It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. of the podcast, the podcast for Skint Millennials. I'm Rick Worth, a writer and layabout, and I'm here with... Grace Holiday, a freelance journalist and content writer. And Robin Vinter, a journalist and editor of news site The Overtake. Woo. Okay, so let's move on to our theme for this week, which is, as you may be able to see from the title of the podcast, the podcast, I should say, Travel and Holidays. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is perhaps a bit of a controversial topic to say that we are skint millennials because everybody would probably say that that's the one thing that we can't afford. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, definitely. What was everybody's first holiday? I went abroad once between the ages of of womb and 11 we went mm-hmm. to Menorca so I would probably say, Menorca Mallorca one of them um so I would probably say that was my first holiday but I actually would say my proper first holiday was when I was 11 and me and my mum and dad went to Lanzarote and we had a self-catering hotel Whoa. and pools and my dad used to go for runs on the beach in the morning and I oh I feel like Love you never it, forget yeah yeah. Smiling so much. <laughs> yeah you never forget that first holiday yeah. abroad because up until then we just did camping in Devon we would oh and we didn't even pay for accommodation we just paid for our pitch because my mum and dad had a trailer tent do you guys oh, know yeah, what a trailer, a trailer tent, tent is well. what's a trailer tent uh, so I a trailer tent is like it's really difficult to explain so it's like a big it's a trailer it's a big that trailer you that car. you that, yeah that you put behind your car mm-hmm. And then ours was one that you fold over. So imagine the shape of a trailer and then you lift up the bars and you fold it over so it goes to like double the size. And as you fold it, it turns into a tent. What yeah. the fuck is that? <laughs> it's magical. And then, yeah, and then when you go into the tent, it like has a pl- kind of a platform in it because mm-hmm. that's like the trailer, and mm-hmm. it's quite luxurious actually for a tent. So oh. ours was uh, probably about seventy years old by the time we got our hands on it secondhand. Mm, but same. ours had um, like a um, a walking around section, and it also had a bed section. So whenever we used to go on holiday, we would we had a little curtain in the middle. So me, Nathan, and Kate, my brother and sister, would sleep in one little beddy section and then there was a single like ripped curtain down the middle and then my mum and dad would sleep on the other mm. side so there was exactly the same setup really like, trailer tent, exactly the same setup yeah, yeah there was just five of us basically five of us in a bed with a curtain branding. in the middle yeah. <laughs> but it was the my... best thing it was the best thing i don't think my flat has a walk around section that tent is literally <laughs> a step up from when i say walk around section i mean five steps forward and two steps to the side Oh, man, that's three mm. more steps than we get. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and the, we all, I think they also, I don't know, bought it or I don't know if they found it somewhere or bought it, but we also had an extension section that they then used to do the cooking in and that kind of thing. So oh, yeah. it did yeah. make it like double the size. What about you? I, I think my first holiday was probably like just late district camp, real. Yeah, real nice. Yeah. Where's real? North Wales. North Wales. Yeah. I've never been to Wales in my life. Oh, it's You've never been to... talking oh, of travel really and holidays. Do you speak Welsh? I'm learning on Duolingo, oh. but I don't know. Very... I can say like, "Do you mean coffee, coffee?" Does that mean I want a hot coffee? No, it means I like coffee. Oh, I mean, right, that's because so ta- one of the words is English. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, coffee it's spelled slightly differently. Oh, okay. What I love about Welsh is like, um, chocolate is pronounced chocolate, and it's written. S I O C L E D, which is nice. It just seems churlish. Just go yeah. Isn't um, microwave ping pong? It's uh, property ping. Property ping. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the most wonderful things I ever learned. I, I feel really bad speaking Welsh in my probably awful English accent, but I'm trying my hardest. There are apparently more people learning Welsh on Duolingo than actually speak, speak Welsh. Welsh. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's a weird language. Yeah. Where did you used to go on holiday, Rick? Uh, real. <laughs> North Wales. The first yeah. time we ever went abroad, uh, I think I was eight, maybe between eight and twelve. We mm. went to Spain. I don't really remember anything about it other than me being uncomfortably hot. I feel yeah. like that's my exact memory of when I went when I was about six. Yeah, mm. just hot. And then as I got older, my mum would take my brother and sister on holiday, and I'd just stay at home. Uh, that's a bit sad. Yeah, I think I preferferred it. I kind of like just. Being in the house. Oh, it, when you're a teenager, it is a nightmare going on holiday with your family. Like, you just hate them so yeah. much. Oh, it definitely turned into that for me when I got to about 15 because I was still sharing a room with them. Yeah. And as a 15 year old girl, there was one particular holiday where I'd just broken up with a guy who I'd really loved. Well, <laughs> broken up. He'd broken up with me. Come on. Um, and then I literally went on holiday. No, do you know what? He broke up with me while I was on holiday by text. That's what it was. Um, and Name so. Shame. Yeah, the absolute, absolutely not. Asshole. Um, they got back together in marriage. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, so I feel like I got broken up with at 15 with a guy who had always, I'd always been like, oh my God, he's way too popular and cool to be with me. And then my suspicions were confirmed. Um, um, probably because I wouldn't have sex with him was probably the reason. Retrospectively. Yeah, damn good right, for you, good for me. Grace. I'm proud of myself now. Yeah. Um, but still, the last thing you want to do when you've just broken up with a guy at 15 is be sharing a, a bedroom with your mum and dad <laughs> in the middle of like wherever the fuck we were. So. <laughs> just remind me actually that we went to Spain and uh, by chance so I think I was being eight because we were still in primary school Um, like ten let's say because this following story becomes a little bit weird (laughs) Uh, but this girl I had a crush on was there and like we hung out over the summer and then when we went back to school we kind of just like oh yeah in that age your friend the boys are friends with boys yeah 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 yeah. girls not in 2018, fuck that noise. <laughs> <laughs> but then it became awkward. And then I think we started like going out in year six, which involved saying that we were going out with each other and then avoiding each other like the plague. Nice. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, your, your lovely story about that bastard who dumped you by text reminded me of that. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. a, a fondish memory. Were you in a hotel or were you... We... Oh, I think by that point, we were in hotels. Okay. I think we'd moved good. up from the self-catering. Because I had never stayed in a hotel until I was in my late teens because like my family we just never not once we did, no we did camping wow. or we did loads of different stuff or like at least not in my memory maybe when i was a very young child but like yeah to the point where when i got my first ever journalism job as a reporter 
I had to do a lot of traveling. It was Farmer's Weekly magazine, agricultural magazine. And I did like a lot of traveling. And the first few times I, I like had to stay places on my own. I didn't know how to stay in a hotel. Which sounds like hilarious and embarrassing. You would keep looking out the window. No, I didn't know. So, right. But if you didn't know anything about hotel, right? Knocking on other people's doors. (laughs) Hello, I've just moved in next door. (laughs) But you know, like, you've got, you know, you've got a room booked, right? You turn up, there's a desk. So you don't, you assume, okay, like, I've got to get the key to the room. You go to the desk and like, oh, um, so I'm going to be staying here for the next couple of days. And then they're like, oh, are you checking in? And then you're like, yes yes that's the thing that i'm doing then they like give you the keys and stuff and then you're like what do i do do i pay now or like what it's it's so like because yeah. it's kind of taken for granted that you know yeah it's just, like it's embarrassing to admit that you don't know what the system is and the only way you learn is probably by watching your parents check in and check yeah. out or watching mm. other people do it so i mean i guess that's fair enough yeah but I even mean, on films it's not really clear like I don't know. I just feel like this, films, the process isn't clear. Yeah. And like at the end of your stay, what what do you like? I didn't. I I, I it all turned out fine. Like I went and gave the key card back, and like I think that, I paid at the end. Have I ever had a dream, but, kid? <laughs> what was that? <laughs> Sorry, that, that that this this is the meme of that kid who's really struggling to get your story out, and he keeps starting <laughs> over, and it ends with Sorry. Have you ever had a dream? And he lays back like he's the dopest guy oh, alive. We will share whatever on earth yeah. this is that Rick's yeah, talking about on our I'll, social I'll media put that in the description. I yeah. mean, if people not seen that that you it's it's like from geo cities it's really old oh, okay. uh, but sorry about booking into even mm. kevin McAllister managed to book into a hotel um in he managed to book yeah, into Trump think, towers didn't he yeah but i think his parents stayed in the hotel so that's how he learned this is the home alone, the home alone kid, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as, as if we're just yes. talking about it <laughs> the documentary home alone. <laughs> <laughs> um and i do, and i but i honestly think this is like a much more common thing than people realize or this kind of thing and like flights as well i'd never i'd flown a couple of times before but i'd never like been flight like, times only just as a very young child where you don't watch what the processes of flying so like even now sometimes i haven't flown that often so like i'll go and i don't understand the procedure and i'm like well like at security i'm like what do i need to do and my boyfriend's like oh just you need to get all these things out of your bag and so like i just haven't flown that often you know it's funny that you are so bad at checking into hotels because i'm actually the queen of it Mm, fun fact Mm -hmm. yeah i'm the queen of hotel upgrades Tell us more. <laughs> <laughs> Why does he have a car? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, how do you get your... Uh, why does it... Are you just lucky or do you have a I'm technique? I'm not lucky. I have crafted a technique oh, okay. from the ground up since I was about 18. And nice. pretty much every city and holiday I've been on, I've managed to get an upgrade. So examples, shortly after the wedding, I went to Prague. No, I didn't. I went to Lisbon. I went to Lisbon with my best friend, Aggie. And when we got to the hotel, I decided to tell the lady that I had booked the whole holiday and that I was bringing my best friend, Aggie, with me as a thank you for being my bridesmaid, my chief bridesmaid at my wedding was that a true? week ago. I mean, she was my chief bridesmaid at the wedding, but it was six months ago and I definitely hadn't paid for her half. Ah, um, nice. But I don't know whether we came across like best mates or we came across like secret lovers who were, because I'm very tactile as it is, so there was a lot of touching and mm. kind of snuggling up to each other. Uh, so maybe they felt bad for you that you felt like you couldn't be I mean, maybe, yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe. Maybe the drop that you were like, this is my friend, and then you mentioned a marriage. <laughs> they were like, oh, maybe they're a gay couple. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe she yeah. didn't understand. Maybe she only understood like half the words I said. So anyway, mm. they upgraded us to a beautiful 
city view suite oh thingy. Um, same in Dublin, London, Marrakesh. Oh, she's done it so many times. Oh my God, I've done it everywhere. Everywhere. All the whole, like me and my mum try and do a holiday together every two years, three years, and she pays most of it when she can. Um, and all of those have been upgraded. I did not know you could do that. Like I just, it just, you know, it's something like, um, I just didn't register that it existed. You there know? are so, I mean, when you go with a friend, you pretend that you're, trying to, you're treating your friend. When you yeah. go with your mother, you say that you've paid for the holiday for your mother because like my mum had just retired recently. So I said that and gotten us upgrade. But also when you've got a boyfriend, then a fiance, then a husband, it's just perpetually your honeymoon. But is it just a free up? They just upgrade you for free? Just yeah. like, oh, oh, that's crazy. See, I have a, a, the almost exact opposite story of that. <laughs> um, we were... We, by way, did I mean, somebody take a look at you and Beth and downgrade you? <laughs> <laughs> kind of. <laughs> um, uh, me and Beth and my uh, colleague and co-creator, Jordan, and his wife, Emma, we're all going down to London for work. We're going to a big convention to sell our comic book. Uh, and I had booked the hotel... And this was about a week, maybe two weeks after the Lee Rigby incident in London. Mm. And everyone was really worried and we were at the convention hall and we hadn't been to the hotel yet. And there was like lots of chatter. So I decided to call the hotel just to make sure, is everything all right there? Is is there a police card and anything like that? They're like, no, no, it's all fine. Um, you know, the, the streets are normal. London has carried on. Like, excellent British spirit. Let's Let's go do this. So then we took the train out of uh, the XL Arena all the way to the other side of London to this hotel. We found the door that was listed as the entrance to the hotel and went up these stairs. And the hotel was not built. <gasps> what? Yeah, Fuck. Um, but we'd called them and they're like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, everything's everything's all sorted. And then when I got there, I was like, the hotel's not built and we've paid money. And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, we refunded you this morning. And we checked and they had. Uh, but I was like, why didn't you tell us not the day before we arrived in London because we're now, there's four of us in London Jesus. without a place to stay and we have to be at a hotel tonight. And he was like, oh yeah, I emailed you. And I was like, you did. You never did email me. But yeah, that's kind of the opposite of an upgrade. <laughs> that's yeah. terrible. Yeah, that's yeah. really bad. I mean, I was furious at the time. Because it's like, with something like Airbnb, you know that it can get cancelled, but with a hotel, you expect... To it, for what? For it to be built? For it to exist, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like, yeah. I mean... To make it sound like it wasn't built makes it sound like there was just a void, like a, a, a lintel, and then I walked through. And was like, oh, it's <laughs> there's nothing there. Yeah. There, was, there was like there was a room, and there was a man in a like a, a bare box room, and he was like, "Yes, this will be a hotel soon." Like, oh, <gasps> it reminds me of—is it the movie Sing, where the hotel or the the hotel or something falls down, and then at the end, all the they just perform in a bare shell of a room. I mean, you two don't understand, but no. I understand some listeners will understand what I mean yeah. by the end of the <laughs> So one thing I wanted to mention in this episode is that we had a nice letter from a reader, which actually just came in the form of a Facebook message to me. And did they listen to the podcast also? Yes. So I'll, you know what I'll, I'll do? I'll read it for you. Um, hey, just listened to the podcast and loved it. Two exclamation marks. Excellent taste. For your travel episode, you should, if you get time, you should talk about these middle-class travellers that fund their travelling by begging in foreign countries. We get them in Banff all the time, which is part of Canada, um, wanting money so they can travel to their next destination. For me, if you can't afford to travel, don't do it. And that's from Sophie Whittam, who is from Bradford but lives in Canada at the Ooh, moment. What an upgrade. I had not heard of this before, so I did a bit of research, actually. 
about bagpacking. And apparently it's a really common thing. So you get loads of Western travellers, especially in places like um, East Asia. Um, they basically, they go, there's like this kind of like philosophy that you don't need a load of money to travel. But what they're really doing is kind of like relying on the kindness of strangers to kind of get them about in in Asia. And also, yeah, apparently Canada now. Okay. So a, a typical day of bagpacking, what does it consist of? Um, well, it's just, it's begging. So like this, this there's a bit of a mixture from the research that I've done. There are people who kind of sell things on the street. So like Western people selling postcards and like homemade jewellery and that kind of thing. Um, and then there's people literally with like a cardboard sign, like, you know, traditional beggar style saying, I need some money to get me to this next place. Um, like, wow. would you be so kind to help fund my trip? I don't, I don't really have a problem with people selling stuff no. along the way. That seems to me like... It's like Good a mild sense. nuisance. Yeah. yeah, it's like a mild nuisance, but it's but they're doing something for like the money. Travelling salesman, but the intention isn't to sell stuff, it's to travel. Yeah, yeah and they're well, not getting in anybody's way either, like sitting on the side of the street trying to sell something that they've created is, I think. Hmm. No, it's not ideal, but it's a different ball game entirely to actually just asking for money for nothing in return. Yeah. And I guess a lot of people go travelling and pick up jobs while they're travelling. Yeah, yeah. Which, which makes sense. Uh, but like just asking for money, I, I feel I would be too embarrassed. I don't yeah. Know if I, even if my life depended on it, even if I was like, oh no, I'm going to die in Banff, Canada. Yes. What a stupid place to die. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, so she said they literally stand there with the cardboard sign asking for money and they they um, go to gas stations and ask people for money for gas as well. Okay, this is a pretty long shot, but if anybody's listening and has ever beg packed, get in touch. Yeah, yeah I want, what is I it want like? to know, like, because I. We won't attack you. We promise not to attack you. We are no. just curious to know. Uh, a what you do and b how you justify it yeah especially in a country where people you know somewhere like east asia like vietnam where people actually aren't that well off um, but are also very kind and very generous yeah like yeah. the worst people to take advantage well, lisa, of lisa says that it's middle class um i've not read about it so i don't know but it seems like these are people that would have the money if they needed to to be like oh well i couldn't beg so i can just buy a plane ticket and get out of there yeah so and um, also what a waste of your time there like why not if you've got the money to and you've saved to why not go and see the sites and go to the museums and the galleries why mm. spend a day sitting on the street if you've got the money to not need to do that exactly and actually i looked at some of the pictures of the people and i know you should never judge by pictures but they are like traditional white traveler type people um oh like the gap yard man (laughs) yeah oh my god peak gap yard man um so yeah i don't know and like you can't you just can't judge and you know you never know what might happen like you might go somewhere and something horrible might happen to you. But really, you should have a backup plan. You should have enough money to cover your, your, the cost of your trip. And you should have, you know, if you got robbed or if you lost your passport or whatever, you should have a backup plan for that, really. Yeah, and I don't think that those things are the same. I think somebody begging because they want to carry on travelling is one thing mm. and is wrong, in my opinion. But I do think that if you have been robbed and you've had your bag taken off you and they've taken your you know, your extra bag with your backup items and you can't get any money through for three or four days, then maybe that's fair enough. But I do think those I, are I mean, two... Like, in that kind of situation, let's say you've you've lost, I don't know, whatever it is, your passport or just, like, all your money, you can go to, like, the embassy or the consulate and get them to contact your family at home to send more money. Depending on if you're in the city that has an embassy or a consulate, though. If you're yeah, a Machu that's Picchu, a good point, then... actually. That's a good point. If you work for the British Embassy in Banff, Canada, please get in touch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's one of the reasons why we're povos still uh, mm. is because these people like these people can just ask for money f- for free to do what they want mm. i was like where i was raised it would be 
embarrassing. There'll be a lot of yeah, things to say. Yeah, it's rude. Like, I want some money that you have for something I want to do. Yeah. <laughs> it was embarrassing enough to ask someone to borrow money to be like, can I borrow some money because I can't pay my bills? I mean, mm. me asking you for £1.30 to buy myself a breakfast muffin this morning was pretty mortifying, to be fair. It was a little bit. And we do have pics of that incident. We do. Evidence. Not of the muffin which is no. currently sat next no. to me. We'll take a picture of the empty muffin and like this cost <laughs> Rick. In fact, you gave her a whole fiver, didn't you? She gave me the change back. Oh, did she? Yeah, oh, very good. Nice. I knew that her social anxiety... <laughs> she Rick wouldn't be able to handle it. the next podcast be like, hey, down 375. I would not have slept tonight. <laughs> time for our profession which is a confession about anything you feel bad about related to your wealth or economic status yes so sophie from banff who um got in touch earlier about the um beg packing uh has a profession she said i love cooking at home but i can't afford to buy all the herbs and spices so i steal them from work it's oh. good though isn't it that's genius why does she work in hospitality have ah she works where sorry in hospitality oh. so yeah so she works in a hotel so they have all the spices in a hotel. I mean, I kind of, I mean, I was thinking about when you work in an office and there's like tea, loo roll. I've, I went through about two years of taking loo rolls from work. I once, a place where I, the cinema where I used to work, I once took um, probably about six months worth of loo rolls home. <laughs> and, um, but, in, and it was, I thought I was being genius. Like I got home to my housemates. And I was like, look, all this free loo roll that I've got. Um, and they were like, and one of the girls was like, oh, oh, it's so rough. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> not triple ply. Yeah, so did you steal it all at once or over the? No, because she didn't just walk home with six months of toilet roll. Yeah. Rick. I, well, it, it, it probably no. <laughs> really it, well, they are really they were, they were really big, like you know, utility style rolls, and I would take maybe two or three home at a time. Um, and then, I had yeah. an idea about toilet rolls. Another mm. thing we were the apprentice about, and I, I, I've already got a name for it: tall let's rolls. So here's, <gasps> here's my thinking, right. If a toilet roll were the height of a kitchen roll, mm. you'd you, you'd you'd end up using less. Yeah. So I don't like I don't want to talk about what people's wife <laughs> But you know, you don't just use one square of toilet paper. Yeah, and square is almost the wrong shape. Yeah, but here's my thinking. If the paper were just one and a half times taller, you would might use one or two squares, but you would fold it more. And overall... I'll scrunch it, Mum. I'll scrunch it, Mum. Yeah. Oh, are you a scruncher? I'm a scruncher. Oh, I'm a folder. I'm a folder, smooth. Oh, yeah. You guys just, yeah, but you want... Especially when it's cinema loo roll. Do you want do you want smooth? Because surely you just use more if it's if it's smooth. Bit of fun, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. So I was idea. I was like, it's probably good for the environment, and it would help you control how. Because sometimes I will just have way too much toilet paper, and I then feel terrible. I was like, this is bad for the environment, and I've wasted money. The tweeters. Um, I have like a rule for two things. I will never scrimp money on toilet paper, and I'll mm. never scrimp money on bin bags. Um, because doing either will result in a mess. <laughs> Indeed it is. What's the problem this week, Rick? I have the problem this week. Yes, you do, Rick. Oh, no, sorry. I, I, yeah, that was a statement of information. <laughs> not a question. So, the problem that we have this week is when one is poor, or a pauper, or skint as we are, how does one justify spending a lot of money on a holiday? Like, how does, do you deal with 
the guilt that that comes with. And also it could just be, not just holidays, it could also be an expensive train ticket to visit a friend because I really struggle with that. I have lots of friends who live around the country and I definitely should have visited them by now, but I tot up how much my time off work, travel, even staying at the house for free, we're going to go out for breakfast, then we're going to go for lunch, then I'm going to have to buy them a little gift to say thank you. Suddenly £150 and I just, I keep putting it off. The trains are obscene. They are. We've been trying to see a couple of friends for a couple of months now and every time we tally up how much it would cost either of us to get a train to see the other one, it starts to get into the hundreds of pounds. Yeah. And then it becomes more viable for each of us to buy flights <laughs> to another country to meet up with one another. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is ridiculous. Have you guys ever heard of a mega bus? Yes. <laughs> because <laughs> only I in my nightmares, Robin. Only I know, I know, and it is horrible. It's the most unpleasant experience that you will ever have, probably. But it is so cheap. So, like going to London, you know, you can do it for seven quid each way, which I think is is. The problem it with the megabuses is that it actually only works if you live in big cities. I mm. lived in Macclesfield for over a year, about a year and a half, and it wasn't. It just wasn't an option, and that was the poorest I've ever been when I lived my first job out of uni, um, working on a flooring magazine. I was so skint, and there was no megabus. Did it you was say the a train. flooring magazine? Do you not know this about me? That was my no. first job. Oh, that's excellent. Do you want to hear my sentence that I always say? I was the editor of the UK's leading digital magazine for the flooring industry. Like tiles and shit. That was actually our... Tiles and shit. Tagline. Yeah, Yeah, that was the tagline. Tomorrow's floor. It's now called Tomorrow's Contract Floors. Um, Yeah, so I... um, Shout out there if you want some sponsoring Tomorrow's Floors. What was it called? Absolutely. Let's keep the hell away from that company. (laughs) I think the worst experience of my life ever was on a Megabus. Oh, really? (laughs) I know that's... No, that is nowhere near for her. I, was just like, I oh, feel like that's bold. Yeah, and also yeah. like I saw yeah. a child die, and then the bus burst into flames. Yeah. Yeah. No, so I should. So the probably the most amount of physical pain I've probably okay. ever been that I can recall. Um, Did the mega bus hit you? <laughs> right, I don't know what happened to me. Uh, so again, again with my colleague. Jordan, and we were going to London again for some more work. We were going to a different convention this time because it was just me and him. Uh, and we had to get the like Megabus at like 5 o'clock in the morning to get to London in time. Uh, and he'd been sat on the floor, crouched over all night, doing artwork, ready for the convention. So then he stood up and like his spine just stopped working properly. Um, he didn't become... Sorry, that was a baby too. Like, he was in a lot of agony. He didn't oh. stop. He didn't have the use of his legs. He was fine. <laughs> uh, but he's in so much pain. I was like, oh, you've been a big baby. Just let's go. So I was like really forcing through leads to get to the Megabus. And then like 15 minutes into the Megabus journey, my kidney just... It felt like there were rocks and crystals <gasps> in there. And I was in excruciating agony, like doubled over. And I couldn't get any water. And I couldn't communicate with anyone on the bus because it's always full of like just people speaking the craziest languages. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's not to their languages. They're probably fine languages, but, uh, but you, you know, don't understand. Yeah, them. I don't. I can't understand <laughs> yeah. anyone. Uh, and the bus didn't stop, and it was like five hours. So when we got off at the other end at Victoria, we were both like kind of hobbled over, crying <laughs> in endless pain. Uh, it was like six. No, it was by eight o'clock in London, and then we had to make our way to the arena. It was just awful. And then I was fine once I drank a bottle of water. I think I was just super dehydrated. Uh, John did the entire convention, but it was just incredibly weird pain. I was gonna say that sounds like kidney stones, which I, mean, I would know as I've had three and was in yeah. hospital with them. Oh, I was fine. Oh, 
don't pee anything out, I don't think. I don't need you, anything removed. Are they big enough to know if you pee them out? You 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 can or you can't. I think it's uh. the blokes, isn't it? Don't they have a really hard time with it? I mean, we have a pretty small hole too, Rick. That, well, I don't know who has the smallest <laughs> hole, to be sure. honest. <laughs> sure you do. But <laughs> 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 drop out of us. It's got to go further on, man, hasn't it? Because it's got to go to... Uh, yeah, that is definitely true. So welcome to the podcast where we talk about female and male anatomy. <laughs> I don't know what Yeah, it's got to go an extra, so eight or nine inches to get out. I think it's not... <laughs> <laughs> Okay, alright, I think it's not so much the actual peeing it out that was them. I had them for, it took me eight months to pass them, and it's not so much the actual peeing it out, it's the as it continues to move through your kidneys. Oh, Don't they have a laser that they can like shoot at you to like. They won't do it on a young woman of 22 because it it's like have a, fucked up my fertility. Oh. And it's like a sonic thing, isn't That's it? Annoying. It like beats. They'll do it on men, but they won't do it on women. No privilege. I'm sorry, yeah. guys. Yeah, it is. I mean, obviously, you guys can't see this, but I got such daggers then as having a <laughs> in trouble. Such male privilege. So I certainly feel uh, at times that I can't afford a holiday and that I don't, for that reason, deserve a holiday, which is really problematic kind of thinking. Definitely. Um, but yeah, we're, me and my partner are really good at kind of putting off stuff like that. Like we just don't go on holiday if we don't have any money. And it's not good for you. It's not good for your mental health. No, I think vitamin D, sunshine, putting away your phone for a couple of days is literally, it, it's like keeps me alive. I priority prioritise holidays really highly in my life. I don't go on a great deal, but if I could do like a weekend trip with a girlfriend and one holiday with my husband a year. And also you want to look back on your life and have some like distinctive memories. Yeah, and, <laughs> and if also, you don't go away, you never have those. Yeah, moments. and I don't work as hard as I do every day to do it in being self-employed and running my own business and looking after myself. I don't work so hard to not see the benefit of it. I need to see it needs to be tangible to me. Mm-hmm. Like I need to know that I worked that hard for six months in order to enjoy that week abroad. We've recently booked a holiday that we're going on in a few weeks' time and it's um I s because I'm a researcher at heart, I spent months months and months probably about two months finding the um perfect hotel and the perfect price and getting together all the discount codes and the best times to book and waiting blah 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 so we've managed to do seven nights four star all inclusive um with transfers and bags with thomas cook for 300 pounds each which is that is amazing a bargain that's very good um and it's in turkey which is why it's cheaper because obviously with all the travel warnings people aren't (laughs) as keen to go to turkey as they once were um, but I do truly believe that A, holidays are important and B, you should find the money and actually if you want to go on holiday, you can find cheap holidays. They do exist. They do exist. Yeah, I mm. I, um, I kind of, not to politicise it, but I, I think there's a narrative that if you're poor, you shouldn't be having luxury items mm-hmm. and you know, oh, you, you will be able to save up money, which I guess is almost true. If you don't spend the money, you will have it. But being poor is kind of constant, so you're going to lose it eventually. Yeah. Mm. And yeah, as you say, the, your mental health benefits so much from going on a holiday. I remember at university, my final year, I was absolutely scared. I was really upset about my dissertation. There was a lot of rubbish going on. I couldn't pay my rent one month. And I called my mum and she was like, don't worry about it. I'll send you some money. Right. And she didn't send me money to pay my rent. Like She was like, you'll have to get a job to do that. But she sent me like £20. So she was like, have that £20. I like, oh, you know, that's not really nothing is better than 20 pounds you're like that's not for food that's not for rent that's for you to go out tonight and have a drink 
and relax and have an AR. That's oh, so nice. That's nice. Oh, I'm joking. Oh. I'm, I'm joking about how brave I am. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want one of us to take over? <laughs> yeah, that was so good. And I've kind of always had that philosophy. Mm. And sometimes when work's getting too hard with me and Beth, we're just like, right, fuck it. We need some days off and we need to have a day out and you need to treat you need to treat yourself and take yeah take your mind off it mm-hmm. as well because you cannot live a perpetual kind of poor existence no no and shall we get ahead of the people who are going to go uh, well if you didn't spend 600 pounds on a holiday you'd be able to afford a house deposit we wouldn't yeah still yeah, wouldn't be able to afford it, it. still yeah. wouldn't be able to afford and it and also like how yeah. many years you have to do that before yeah. you know like living without a holiday for... yeah so don't bother getting in touch with yeah, that it's, yeah it's it's normal for people to have a house and go on holiday <laughs> yeah. it doesn't have to be one or the other necessarily yeah that was a section of the podcast where we uh, make one of us cry remembering <laughs> something awful from our past. So tune in next week for Tears from Robin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What, oh, can, what should I talk about? I'll have a think about Tears my, from my Robin. Tears from Robin is a great name for an album. Yeah, album. I'll think of something re- one of the most troubling times in my life and I'll come back and explain it to you all. Crikey. This week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right, guys, should we wrap up with our thank yous? Absolutely. Our thank yous need to go to Charlotte, yeah, for Charlotte, Nichols. Charlotte Nichols for recording this and helping us with the edit and just being an all-round wonderful assistant. Patient everything. person. She's amazing. Uh, so thank you, Charlotte. Thank you also to Acast, who host us. Uh, thank you to the people who have contributed and who've got in touch and let us know. Uh, let us know what they think. Let yeah, us know correct. what they thought. Yeah. yeah. Um, and also people who have um, followed us on Twitter and Instagram and... Um, and shared shared our first episode with their friends. Yes, absolutely. Grace, what is our Twitter handle? Oh, Rick, it's a funny it's funny chance that you... Oh, fuck that up. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you should ask Keep me that, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> um, so on Twitter, we are at the Povcast. On Instagram, we are at the Povcast. Podcast, and you can also email us at thepodcastuk at gmail.com. Thank you. Uh, I re- remembered <laughs> last week. Uh, I forgot to thank Jordan, who did our logo. Yes. Ah, thank you, uh, logo man. He's, he's, he's been mentioned about four times on the podcast now, so he's got his thanks. Yeah. Uh, on yeah. Acast, we have a link to his work as well. Yeah, he's a freelance illustrator, so you can hire him as well. If for illustrations, don't hire him for like articles. He's <laughs> shit. <laughs> thank you so much for listening our next topic will be food and drink so if you have povlims or professions related to that then please get in touch obviously it's quite a broad topic but we, we can see what happens um, and we will see you very soon bye <laughs>
Hey, I'm Guy Raz, and on my show, Wisdom from the Top, I talk with CEOs and business leaders about the toughest challenges of their careers. There's lots of ways to measure success. Sometimes a company has to bet against itself. We wanted to set ourselves apart by having a point of view. Businesses really impact people's lives in pretty fundamental ways. On Wisdom from the Top, some of the greatest business leaders of our time share their intimate stories of leadership, innovation, and transformation. Stories you won't hear anywhere else. Check out Wisdom from the Top only on Luminary. Now, back to your show. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Acast.com. 